What's up, everyone? Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Copan. It's February 26, 2021, and this is Lift and Learn, episode 24. In this episode, I'll be breaking down the best and worst ab exercises and doing what makes you happy to be healthy. Before that, though, I'll talk a bit about what I've been up to lately, and that might include fitness-related topics, and it might not. If you want to follow me, your host, on Instagram, it's isaiah.copon, and you can also check out my website, isaiahcopon.com. The podcast is on Instagram, at Lift and Learn Podcast, on Twitter, at Lift and Learn Pod, and also on Facebook. You can just search Lift and Learn Podcast. With that being said, let's get into it. So let's kick things off with sports and get it out of the way. Your Toronto Maple Leafs are still leading the North Division and the whole league with 32 points, a 15-4-2 record. Austin Matthews is absolutely lighting it up this year, although it looks like he's playing through some wrist pain right now. That whole line with Mitch Marner is just disgusting. They seem unstoppable right now. But we'll see when that playoff physicality comes into play and they have to play teams other than only Canadian teams, which most of them are pretty garbage. They'll probably glide through the regular season. And the Blackhawks did pretty well this week again. They just beat Columbus twice in a row and I just witnessed a shutout. And wow, Malcolm Subban got the shutout today. Unbelievable. They won 2-0, and who else but Patty Kane with a snipe for the game winner in the third period. They're still in the top four in their division, which is pretty good, and I never would have guessed that, that that would happen before the season started. Kevin Lankinen could actually win the Calder this year if he keeps up this play, and that's the Rookie of the Year trophy. This week, though, he was just alright. He had his first shutout last week, and then the two games after, he let in a bunch of goals, but that's to be expected from the first-year goalie in the big leagues. So I actually read a little bit more about him earlier this week, and he's a Finnish goalie and ended up winning gold in 2019 in the Hockey World Championships. I mean, I knew he had some kind of accolade, but that one's pretty impressive. So it looks like the Blackhawks have officially found their number one goalie for the next few years. And if you're still a COVIDiot, (laughs) or a denier, or don't believe in it, there was an interesting interview this week from Rasmus Ristolainen, who's a hockey player on the Buffalo Sabres. So in case you don't know, he tested positive for the virus last month, and he still hasn't gone back to playing. He had an interview in Finnish that said he basically feels horrible right now. He mentioned that he experienced all of the symptoms, chest and heart pains, and low oxygen levels. He's obviously an elite athlete who hasn't returned to play yet, and he says he's probably still weeks away from feeling normal. Now, other athletes have gotten it, but it seems to have hit him in particular pretty hard. He mentioned that he sleeps at 8 p.m., wakes up 12 hours later and it only feels like his body rested for 5 minutes. 
Then he also mentions that he does light exercise to try to get back into shape. Then when he gets back to his room, he has to go back to sleep because he's just feeling so drained. That's pretty scary to me. Alright, so on to my training this week. Actually, wait, before I dive into that, I had a rough start to the week. So last Saturday, I woke up in a little bit of discomfort in my tailbone. Regardless, I still went to the gym and ended up repping out a plate on OHP. So 135 press, oh, sorry, 135 pounds on overhead press. And I got that for a few reps. It was supposed to be a leg day that day actually, but because my tailbone was hurting a bit, I decided to do shoulders and arms, which I haven't done in a long time. And that went actually pretty well. When I got home though, I ate my post-workout meals and just relaxed for a bit. But as the day went on, my tailbone just kept, kept getting worse and worse. To the point where I wasn't even able to sit down without any pain or get up without any pain. It was starting to scare me for a bit actually. And that lasted until I went to bed. Then before I went to bed, I was also running a little bit warmer than usual, so that wasn't a good sign. So I tried to get as much sleep as I could that night, and Sunday morning, thankfully, I woke up feeling a lot better. The tailbone pain was gone, although I still don't know where that pain came from. It could have been from sitting weird Friday night, possibly, or maybe it was the way I slept that night, I have no idea. All I know is that I woke up on Sunday feeling a lot better. Not 100% better, but way better than the day before. I no longer had to walk like a hunchback on Sunday, so that was a good sign. Because of that pain, again, I took another two days off the gym earlier this week. Man, I really don't know where that pain came from, but 8 out of 10 pain I would not recommend. Besides that pain though, I ended up having a pretty good week when it comes to training. I hit 235 on incline bench for a few reps, and on flat bench I hit 280 pounds. Just trying to really get used to that weight before I increase it, still making strength gains. I was supposed to go back to squatting 300 pounds again, but I was scared and being cautious of that tailbone pain this week, so I backed off them a little bit. I already mentioned my OHP for this week, which felt good. I just gotta take advantage of the gym while I still have access to it. I might have to head home soon in a few weeks, but the gym situation in Canada, at least where I live, still doesn't look too good. But I do think things will be a little bit better toward the end of March or early April if I have to be realistic. Some gyms around me back home did open though, the Crunch Fitness in Burlington and Oakville area did open this week, even though the limit indoors is only 10 people, so they're doing signups online or on their app. Oh god, I don't want to have to go through that when I get back home, seriously, not looking forward to that at all. And I read more about my mandatory hotel quarantine when I come back to Canada. Apparently this hotel stay for th up to 3 days could be up to $2,000, which is insane. Not looking forward to that either. The prices do vary though, so I'm gonna have to look for the cheapest one for sure. And before we get into the fitness topics, there was a sleep study that popped up this week that highlighted the fact that irregular sleep can actually worsen your mood and increases risk of depression. This study was actually done on first year med school residents. Now, they obviously go through crazy schedules that change all the time, 
They have night shifts or 24-hour shifts where they barely get any sleep. So basically the study showed that those who had the fewest hours of sleep or sleep schedules that were all over the place tended to score higher on these depression symptom questionnaires. Again, this is pretty much what I've been saying about sleep on the podcast for a few months now, and I knew that it negatively affects your life if you don't get the right amount of it, and that's why I've been working so hard the past few years to make it a priority, so I hope you're doing the same. Topic 1. The Best and Worst Ab Exercises This one's going to be pretty debatable, I think, because most people don't agree when it comes to ab exercises or really just exercises in general and what's good and bad. So these are really just my opinions and I'll do my best to back up what I'm saying as opposed to just spitting out a list with no real explanation. That's why the podcast is great because I can just elaborate and talk as long as I want. So before I get into the exercises... Just know that to build up the abs optimally, you're going to want to find movements that actually do flex the spine a little bit. More specifically, your lumbar spine needs to be flexed during the movements to contract the abs fully. Now, this is a general rule of thumb and not the case all the time since you can do some static movements that will still work the abs as well. So I decided I'll start with the worst ab exercises and go from there. And like I said, you can do static movements to work your abs, and here's the first one I'll go over, which is one of the worst movements when it comes to building your abs. And it's the traditional plank, which I've seen a lot, and the reason why I say this is one of the worst exercises to do is because of the way that I've seen it being done. The form could be improved a lot from what I've seen. Now, usually you'll just see people who get into the plank, sometimes their butt is way up in the air, or sometimes it's too low. So you're not really working the abs in any meaningful way. Now, I say this is one of the worst exercises, but you can actually make this movement a whole lot better to target your whole core. And you can do that by also tucking in your tailbone while performing this movement, so you basically squeeze your glutes or your butt while you do this. This will actually cause your abs to actually contract a lot more than usual. If your butt is in the air while you're doing this, your core activation will be nearly zero and it's really an ineffective exercise. If you're more advanced, you can put a weight on your back while doing this, while doing a plank so that there's more force that you'll have to counter as you do it. Another way to make it harder, so usually you'll have your elbows underneath your shoulders while doing this movement. So a way to make this movement harder is to actually slide your elbows farther up so that you're lengthening your body a little bit, which will also cause your core to have to work a little bit harder. Alright, so the next movement when it comes to the worst movements to do for building your abs has to be the side bends. And I'm sure you've seen people do these because I see it all the time for some reason. So for the abs, these aren't really a great exercise, but they do have their own purpose. So if you're familiar with anatomy, the six-pack area that people focus on achieving, the part that's actually showing is called the rectus abdominis. And when you're doing side bends, you're actually not even hitting this area of the abs since you're not doing any lumbar spine flexion. So this movement really targets the obliques more, along with the quadratus lumborum and the erector spinae, which are muscles in your lower back. 
So like I said, this movement isn't really an ab builder, but I've seen it on so many programs that are designed to give you more abs. But like I said, this is one of the worst movements when it comes to building your abs, but I do think that it has its place when it comes to building a solid core foundation. So like I said, this one works your obliques and muscles in your lower back as well. So I do still believe that this is a good movement to do as long as you're doing it properly. That means not just rushing the movement and trying to do as many as you can in 30 seconds. To make this movement more effective, since it is a pretty good one for your core as a whole, it would be best to control the tempo when you're doing this movement. So that means taking 3 seconds as you bend down to one side, and try to really get a good contraction on that side before coming up and repeating that. Take your time when it comes to doing this movement and you should see some benefit. It could also help you overcome some lower back pain if you do it properly and consistently as well. Okay, so the last ab exercise that's going to be in this category of the worst ones to do is going to be ab crunches performed on the floor. So over the past year, I've had to transition my business and shift it over to doing a lot more of it online because of all the gym closures. So that meant for most of my clients, we'd schedule a video call and I'd have them work out while I watch them just so I can monitor their form. Now, of course, this is different from when I train clients in person because I'm usually able to just correct their posture or form on movements since I'm literally right beside them and can tweak whatever I need to. Of course, doing this over video calls makes things a little bit more difficult. And this is a movement that I've seen performed pretty poorly, but the ab crunch can still be an effective movement for most people. It just requires a little bit of tweaking. So I put ab crunches on the floor as one of the worst movements to do for abs because they tend to be done incorrectly, and I've seen it myself. Some of my clients have also mentioned that they get some back pain doing this one as well because when you're on the floor, sometimes not even the carpet or a yoga mat is enough of a cushion, so when you're doing the crunch movement, it can cause a little bit of pain. And most of the time when it comes to doing ab movements, people just tend to do them as quick as they can because I don't know why, it's been so ingrained in most people's minds when it comes to doing abs, you just want to perform these movements as fast as you can. You also could run into a problem where people use their hands behind their head to just pull themselves up instead of using their abs to perform these movements. So ab crunches on the floor. These aren't the best, but I actually do do these if I'm at home and I'm bored because I can just put my feet under the couch and just do them right then and there. For most people though, especially my own clients, I won't recommend this one. But like I said, there's a way to make ab crunches more effective if doing it on the floor causes pain for you. To make it more effective, invest in one of those big exercise or stability balls and do them on there instead. You're able to get a much fuller range of motion, honestly. I have one at home and it's so much better than doing them on the floor. You're able to actually stretch out the abs and contract them a lot better with the, when you do them on the ball. This one tip specifically has helped me and clients a lot when it comes to doing ab crunches and it's been shown in studies to actually target your abs a lot more than just doing crunches on the floor. Other ones that are also bad for most people but I won't dive into today, the twisting ab machine in the gym, I don't even understand why this machine was made to be honest. 
Something better to substitute for that one would be using the cable machine and doing a wood chopper type of movement. Please just avoid this machine at all costs. And one more I'll mention is leg raises as one of the worst exercises for most people to do because 99% of people will not be able to do them properly. You'd have to be pretty elite in the gym to be doing these ones properly. Okay, so that's it for the worst movements to do, so let's get into what I think are the best movements when it comes to building the abs. So the exercise I think is one of the best exercises to do would have to be bicycle crunches. I think these are one of the best because it requires no equipment and you can do this at home literally anytime you want. For this one, you just get on the floor and you can have your arms by your head, not behind your head. And then you just basically crunch your body and bring your elbow to your opposite knee. Now, remember to do these slowly. It's not meant to be an AMRAP exercise. Sorry, so that stands for as many reps as possible. So when you do bicycle crunches, it's not meant to be an exercise where you need to do as many as you can, as fast as you can for a minute. For this one, actually focus on contracting your abs during this exercise and it'll be great to target all of your abs upper and lower along with some oblique work as well since you're doing a little bit of twisting with this one. Again, do this slowly and make sure your abs do the work as opposed to just using momentum or using your hands to pull your head forward. Alright, the second movement is going to be ab crunches on a ball. Yes, I had to put this in one of the best movements to do as well even though I already talked about it. And I do find this to be one of the best ones because it only requires an exercise ball. And again, you can just do them at home while you're doing anything, like watching TV or whatever, just any downtime you have. This one's also a really simple movement where you just have your lower back on the ball and you crunch up. I say this is one of the best movements because the ball allows you to extend and actually stretch your abs, as opposed to when you're doing them on the floor where your range of motion may be limited. So you're able to stretch the abs and contract them fully without any back pain that might happen when you're doing them on the floor. This is one of my go-tos, like I said, because you can just do them in your own home anytime you want. And again, studies show that it's way more effective than doing crunches on the floor. And last but not least, if you have access to the gym, then this one is for you and it's one of my favorites. Cable crunches. These are what I think is the best movement you can do when you're in the gym. You can do these with a rope, but I think that's the best attachment to you can use. Now for this one, it's going to require you to actually keep your hips pretty stable and really contract your abs while blowing out all the air in your body. So you're squeezing your glutes so that you're stable and then you're exhaling as you crunch the weight in. I see many people in the gym doing this one incorrectly too though, so form is going to be key here. And that's the case with pretty much all ab exercises, because you don't want your hip flexors to take over the movement, which is pretty common with any ab exercise. And if you're really advanced, leg raises are great to do. This one got a mention earlier as one of the worst exercises to do, but leg raises can actually be great if you're advanced. Now personally, I'm not even advanced enough to perform this one correctly, and I have yet to see anyone in person actually do one properly, but studies do show that if you're doing this properly, it could actually target your abs more than any other exercise I already mentioned. 
It targets your whole ab section and is a great one especially for the lower ones. For this movement you hang off any kind of bar, usually the pull up ones at the gym, and then you basically crunch or bring your legs up. Now most people forget that during this movement you have to stay pretty still, so you have to be pretty stable and to target your abs properly you have to again flex that lumbar spine so it's going to require some movement in your lower back as well when you're bringing your legs up. Like I said, this one's a difficult one to do, so some alternatives here could be like a reverse crunch, and that's actually better done on a decline bench, so you can work on that one at the gym and then progress to a leg raise. Another alternative to this one is the captain's chair, which is another movement backed by studies. Again, for this one, don't just bring your knees up mindlessly. Bring your knees up using your abs and try to have that lower back go through a bit of flexion and don't use momentum and swing yourself up for every rep because that defeats the whole purpose of the exercise. Alright so there you go a few of the worst and the best exercises to get that six pack you've wanted to get your whole life. But remember to get a full six pack or hit all of your abs as effective as you can you need to be doing movements where you're moving your upper body to target the upper abs more, another where you're moving your lower body to target the lower abs more, and a twisting type of movement as well would be great to also hit those obliques, which isn't exactly your abs, but it completes that look. And if we're talking about being fully healthy and strong, then building your core as a whole is going to be necessary to avoid injuries, don't forget to hit your lower back as well. Because if you turn to the side, let's say grabbing something from the back seat of your car while driving, then you want to have that strength and foundation as opposed to only having abs without obliques. That's like building a bridge without other support like an arch underneath or something like a suspension bridge without the cables to make it stable because you don't want to crumble when you start undergoing pressure. Topic 2. Do what makes you happy to be healthy. So if you listened to the podcast last week, I said that this topic would be to do what makes you happy. Well, as I was writing the podcast notes for this, I felt like it should be worded a bit differently or maybe more specifically what you can do to make you more happy and healthy. This is an important part of life in general, not just regarding fitness and health. Of course, doing things that make you happy and healthy will only have a good effect when it comes to your well-being and longevity. If you have a clear and positive mind and enjoy the things you do on a daily basis, then that'll carry on into the rest of your life. Of course, most people want to be happy all the time, but that's not going to be the case because life is full of ups and downs. And that roller coaster ride ultimately makes you the person you are. It's all about balance. But I think it's safe to say that being happy feels a lot better than being sad or depressed. Now, there's a guideline when it comes to doing what makes you happy. Watching Netflix and sitting around all day eating your favorite snacks might seem like something that makes you happy or something you enjoy, but that's obviously not going to be great for your health. That's something to think about. I'm not saying that you need to cut it out altogether, 
I know I won't, since I've spent the majority of my downtime in 2021 so far on Disney+, Plus, watching Marvel shows and the movies in chronological order up to Avengers Endgame. If you're like me, then just be sure that you're taking breaks and getting up every movie at least, or every episode, so that you're not in that sitting down or lying down position all day, which is going to cause multiple issues throughout your body whether you can feel it or not. Now me, I'm a pretty happy person overall, but I've had clients that struggle with this because they don't really have any hobbies. It's just work, sleep, and repeat on most days of the week. In this case, it would be good to try not even just exercising, just any kind of movement. Getting up and going outside for a few minutes could help you in a situation like this. And the reason why I suggest something like exercise so often is because it's something that could actually make you happy and healthier, especially if we're talking about the long-term effects. Exercise and movements will trigger that part of your brain that releases endorphins throughout your body, which is the hormone that basically makes you feel good. You'll be stronger, you'll be able to live a more independent life for a longer amount of time, and you'll be more confident in yourself. Socializing with your close friends could help too, even if it's just over video calls with the way things are these days. Those calls could still lead to a bunch of laughs and even just smiling more, which is great for your spirit and the way you feel. Just be sure to do things that make you happy. Don't be catering to others all the time. If that means saying no to social plans or people around you who are toxic, then that's what you need to do sometimes. Something like journaling could also help you get rid of negative thoughts, or maybe you're writing down things you're thankful for. Or maybe reading a book could help you just get away and into another world, which could also contribute to happiness. You just have to find what works for you. There's really an infinite amount of possibilities when it comes to finding what makes you happy and healthy. I also dove into meditation on last week's episode, and that's another way that could help you find that happiness or improve your mood. When it comes to being happy or being upset, it's a domino effect. If you're always upset or angry in general, that's what's being portrayed out in the world. Spreading that anger to someone else could lead that same person to deflect their anger or the way they're feeling to someone else and so on and so forth. That's why it's better to just take a step back and take a deep breath if you're in a negative mood and just try to think of what the right thing to do would be and if it's even worth it to just go down the dark route. It's that butterfly effect. If you're happy and people around you notice that, that also has the same domino effect. Now, of course, there are other things that contribute to your happiness too, like being satisfied with your life, financial stability, and a job you enjoy. But if you yourself are healthy, then this could help you achieve those things because it's contagious. And that concludes episode 24 of the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you really enjoyed the episode or my podcast as a whole, then please leave a review and comment on iTunes or whatever your choice of podcast platform is. Also, if you haven't already, you should hit that subscribe button because I'll be releasing episodes every Friday. If you want to follow me, your host, I'm Isaiah.Copon on Instagram. And you can also check out my website, IsaiahCopon.com. 
If you want to follow the podcast, you can check out at Lift and Learn Podcast on Instagram. And there's also a Facebook page if you just search Lift and Learn Podcast. Again, thanks for listening. And be sure to tune in next week with another episode where I'll be talking about how often you should work out and if you should do HIT to lose weight.